Welcome back to another episode of Laser Graves. I am your co-host, E.K. Wimmer. Hey, Eck. I'm Mariah <laughs> Rose. Oh, it's going to be one of those episodes. Um, it's going to be one of those lives. Let's go. <laughs> you're listening to a podcast about the 80s. If this is your first time, welcome to the show. If you are a returning listener, the party's still raging on. <laughs> it sure is. Oh, wow. Uh, what a week. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Great. Me too. Now yeah, We just had a glass of champagne. Now I got the burps. Yep, you do. I got them all out. I burped <laughs> the entire word champagne. You did. And then you wanted me to uh, act impressed by that. We've been together so long that you don't didn't even acknowledge that. Yeah, well... Easy come, easy go. <laughs> What'd you find this week at the thrift store? Nothing. We are back in the long COVID, like, I don't know, our numbers are rising, so I'm trying to limit my outings, but you brought something back for me. Oh, did I? Yeah, you brought me, because oh, right. I have a, a hand collection, like <laughs> yeah. you do, yep. and uh, you brought me back some hands. Always willing to lend a hand. So... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you laughed at that. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. That's making up for Eck at the uh, intro. I love you, Eck. Uh, what did you find? I found a new VCR because my previous VCR really went out on me. I had a couple problem tapes that didn't want to play, and it's kind of like they just uh, turned berserker inside of the VCR when I put them in there. And when I ejected them, I'm not sure what damage they caused, but... It was a lost cause, so I just found another cheap VCR, because you can still find them. And we're back on track, and I'm happy. Oh, good. I actually I'm like so my glad. new VCR a lot more. I'm glad. I'm glad. New VCR, new president, we're ready to go. We're re- yeah, we're reared and ready to go. Okay. We did not cover Heathers this week. Whoops. Oh, whoopsie. Better luck next week, y'all. Okay, Eliminators 1986. You've definitely never seen this, right? Mm-mm. Yeah, this was a first-time watch for me, too. Yeah. yeah. I know the cover really well, because it's amazing. Like, awesome cover art. But never seen it. We've had a few people suggest it to Laser Graves. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Our listeners know us. Yeah. (laughs) It's uh, not a stretch to figure out what we like. This has everything, and by everything, I mean they just like grab bagged everything and put it into a film. For sure. That's uh, exactly what happened. Let's discuss a little bit about who was involved and maybe how it came to be. This one we probably will talk about. Um, Mm. Not scene by scene, but a bit more because it is so insane that I don't want to gloss over it. Because I felt like every time we looked up, there was... Actually, this is the first time in probably two months that we actually took notes because we were so baffled by what we were watching in front of us that... We both were, lately we just don't take notes. We just kind of watch the film a couple times and then discuss it after research. But boy, within minutes, we both uh, reached over and grabbed a notebook. Well, it's because (laughs) there is so much happening and you go, wait, am I watching a scientist or is this ancient Rome? Why are there lasers? Is that robot flying? Everything. Yes. Are and those Neanderthals? Yep. The answer is yes. Uh-huh. Bye you, Betty. You're welcome. 
it's a good one and you got to keep notes to keep track you do but we did that for you because that's the kind of uh, host we are we're here. so nice okay eliminators 1986 this was written by paul DeMeo and danny bilson this was written for empire pictures which you may or may not remember i'm sure you've heard that before but mm, i don't know We've done a couple episodes released by Empire Pictures before. Okay. The one that you may remember because we did it more recently was Robot Jocks. And that was because that was the one that they were going bankrupt during, remember? And that's why it got delayed. So go back and listen to that episode. But the other one we did, which we are much bigger fans of, actually have a big poster sitting right over there. Vicious Lips was an Empire film. Yeah, one of the deeper cuts of Empire. Usually, when you think of their stuff, it's more of the popular things like uh, Reanimator, Ghoulies, you know, those kinds of films. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Vicious Lips, that was a really early episode for us. And like the coolest name for a movie ever. Really awesome. Yep. Uh, Really cool film, actually. If you Mm -hmm. haven't seen Vicious Lips, listen to our episode, watch it. It's, It's well worth it. But that's what we're dealing with. It's an Empire Pictures. This is kind of on the equivalent of when we do, you know, an AIP film or something. We know we know what we're in for, and that's one of them. So if it's Empire Pictures, that means it's produced by Charles Band. <laughs> band, band, band. We're going back into Charles Band territory. It was directed by Peter Manugian. Well, that's a mouthful right there. It's a made-up name. He's um, he's better known for other. Empire and later Full Moon stuff like the Dungeon Master, Arena, and then for Full Moon he did Demonic Toys. Okay. So he and Charles Band stayed together over time. But if you remember from our Robot Jocks and maybe even our Vicious Lips episode, Empire, you know, they were only together for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they folded, they went bankrupt, and then Charles Band created Full Moon Pictures. So that's kind of weird. And then they went on to start that record company, right? <laughs> what? Empire Records. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> 90s call. Yeah, wow. They I wasn't prepared for that. Movie reference, whatever. Now I want to listen to Guar. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Anyway, Empire was a, you know, they were a force, but they didn't last long. And this came out in 1986, which was the biggest year for Empire. And that year alone, they did Troll, <laughs> which we haven't done yet, surprisingly. Huh. Uh, From Beyond, we haven't done, and mm-hmm. Terror Vision, a film that I absolutely love, but a big year on top of this, too. Oh, yeah. This was based on an idea from Charles Band. He got the idea to do kind of a Fantastic Four. Oh, my goodness. Can you think of the four of the Fantastic Four from this film? What would you have? Okay, we have Kuji, who Who's, is uh, like a ninja. So you got a ninja for one of your four. We have Mandroid. Oh, yeah, you got Mandroid, which is exactly what you think it is. Yep. And then we have Nora, which is exactly what you think it is. No, she's a scientist. (laughs) I thought scientist right away when I heard Nora. Yeah, that's a good name, though. I like Nora. Yeah. Um, And then, oh, Fontana. Harry Fontana. He's like a a riverboat rider. Yeah, like a mercenary. Okay. That's your Fantastic Four. So that was his idea, basically, was to be like, let's do this. And then... It was Paul and Danny that came in to write the script and really make this come to life. Mm -hmm. Danny Bilson, how he got involved with Empire was he was actually a camera assistant on the Dungeon Master and Ghoulies. So he was already involved in in, uh, this. And 
uh, our director, Peter, shot one of the segments because Dungeon Master is an anthology if you haven't seen it. And uh, Peter did one of the one of the stories in that anthology. So they're all kind of already there. Also, Danny and Paul had uh, written Trancers, which was a, a really big Empire hit that went on to become a major franchise for Full Moon. So they're I've all... never heard of Trancers. Really? Never. There's like six of them. Sounds made up. Anyway. Okay. Well, there's. I can look at three or four right now on the wall. Sorry, my head won't turn that way. <laughs> <laughs> so needless to say, this was all one big happy family making this ridiculous film. And, okay. So, and this film is called Eliminators. Yeah. Nobody's called an eliminator in this oh, film. I mean, no real elimination happens. I mean, there's like kind of a... No? No. Well... Takata is eliminated. True, but I thought of eliminators as being like machines that go out and destroy everything. I'm not sure what's what. Who is the eliminator? Who is the eliminatee? Boy, we're off to a bad start if we're already questioning just the title alone. What would you retitle this? I'd retitle it Mandroid. There is a full moon film called Mandroid. Is it about Mandroid? No, it's a totally different Mandroid. I thought Mandroid was part two of this, and it's not. What? <laughs> And I think there's a Mandroid Part 2. Uh, never mind. Is it's... there an Eliminators 2? No, there isn't. Okay. So that's who we're working with. I mean, as I said, this is just one big happy family. They all worked together before and after this and for many years. So It's like they're comfortable making B-movies. I, You know, and for you can be a fan of Full Moon, you cannot. But I like when filmmakers and crew just know each other and they're all, they're just all in to make a dumb movie. Yeah. You can, nobody was taking this seriously. No. It's not like anybody's feelings were hurt when they saw this. Especially, except the actors. I did see some, (laughs) some write-ups with them. (laughs) Uh, Maybe it wasn't the, uh, the Academy performance they were hoping for. Oh, they thought this was going to be their big ticket. I think though that that's probably true of every actor in every film. They're like, they're going to see my brilliance in spite of it all. I saw some brilliance in this film for many actors. Oh, brilliance abounds that's for sure so this movie starts like we jump right in to the deep end and it does not stop this movie does not have like dull moments you jump from one chaotic nonsense scene to the next until it poops you out on the end yes i so how i mentioned we both reached immediately for our notebooks (laughs) instead of just like playing it cool was because this is no joke, this was the very first opening shot. Keep in mind, we both had never seen this, so we didn't know what we were in for. The opening shot included cyborg eyes, psychedelic effects, lasers, some Romans running around, and then a fighter pilot. Yep. That's I'm, This is within seconds. And mm-hmm. so both of us paused it and said, oh, we're going to have to take notes. Whoa, huh? whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. <laughs> and so, yes, in after that strange, chaotic <laughs> intro... We see Mandroid. He has come back in like a, it's like a time machine, but it also is somehow kind of like a spaceship. He returns to an old man who we learn is named Takata, 
and a scientist. I guess they're both scientists, but Takata is like the old nice one. And there's another scientist named Reeves. Yeah, Reeves is the is the the bad, the villain, the super villain. Yes, he's the lead scientist. He's the one who's kind of controlling the mandroid and sending him on time traveling missions to collect paraphernalia from the Roman Empire. Yes, and actually, I that think we sense. should we should give mandroids backstory now because it's picked up over the course of the whole film and it's nonsense. So Mandroid was a a pilot in Mexico. His plane went down in a river and he was dying, pulled half dead from the plane by Reeves and Takata and rebuilt into half man, half android. And he is now being used to cull artifacts from the ancient past (laughs) to help Reeves in his plot that we don't know about yet. Oh, we'll find out about it, but... To our listeners, I hate to do this as a, a major spoiler alert, but this is obviously already Laser Grapes approved. <laughs> <laughs> Instant approval. Yeah, so he comes back, he hops out. He doesn't have any recollection of what he's done because he's got mostly robot brain on. I don't know. Who cares? But he hops out. He's got a Roman shield and Reeves is like, it's proof. And Takata is instructed secretly to dismantle mandroid now like his job is over mission Which complete makes no sense because he's a perfectly like usable unit i don't yeah, know just make him clean up if nothing else yeah it was weird okay i mean it feels like a lot of financial investment <laughs> totally but whatever it's your money so he sends takata to uh cull mandroid for parts i guess and Takata feels like he second guesses himself. Right. Actually, let's pause here and say Takata is one of the all-stars of this film. Really? Takata is played by an actor named Tad Harino. Okay. Um, fans of Bill and Ted might know him as Confucius. He's also in Red Sonia as the Swordmaster. Okay. He's in Mulholland Drive. Really? So that's some cred. It's like a small part. But, okay. And then... Obviously, most importantly, he's in the Surf Ninjas franchise. No, the, the, the franchise you're most familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess we didn't actually mention uh, Mandroid is played by Patrick Reynolds. Mm-hmm. He's not really like a big deal. No. But he did have a part in Xanadu. <laughs> oh, did he? Yeah. So there you go. And he was also an airplane. He played like Krishna number three. So. Oh, wow. Yes. Big roles. Yes. And I guess I could say um, Abbott Reeves. He's played by Roy Dotris or Dotrice. I don't know. But he does a bunch of narration now. He's had a super long career. career. You can look him up. But if you listen to audiobooks, you've almost certainly heard him. Okay. Yeah. Well, whatever pays the bills. I would love that job. I listen to so many audiobooks. You would like to be a reader for yeah, audiobooks? You would yeah. love that? I don't think I don't have a good voice for it, but I would love to. Okay. How great would it be to read cool books, check, <laughs> get paid for it, yeah, and share your gift with others? Okay. What well, if treat. anybody has a book they need narrated, uh, hit us up. No, oh, I can't. I'm, I don't Let's have make this the, dream come true. I don't have the voice. I'm working on my newscaster voice for those of you who are uh, <laughs> Patreon, s- Patreon subscribers. subscribers. Yes, oh, it's a real treat. New episode coming out this week. Um, <laughs> anywho, there we are. So there you have it. Mandroid is tipped off by Takata, who is 
he has a, a soft spot in his heart for his creation of Mandroid, and he's like, let's go. Mm-hmm. They begin to fight, but Reeves is like over an intercom for some reason. He's like, ha ha ha, you thought you could go? Nope. Sorry. <laughs> okay. And then he tells Mandroid to kill it, to, to kill Takata. Mm-hmm. And Mandroid's like, no, must resist programming. And he does, but it doesn't matter because Takata has a heart attack. <laughs> I thought he got shot by a laser that Mandroid shot. No, I thought he had a heart attack. Okay, it was all very chaotic. TBD. If you go watch it, let us know. <laughs> okay, the only reason why we're going in detail to this ridiculous scene is because this is the only point of the film. Mm-hmm. It's This is a revenge film, everybody. Yeah, so obviously Mandroid's <laughs> peeved that his only friend Takata's now dead. Uh, because of everything that's happened. But he makes an escape. <laughs> oh. His escape is amazing. He has a mobile unit. And he refers to it as mobile unit. It is a tank bottom. What has a horse body or a bull body? Do they both have? Minotaur, bull, centaur, horse. Okay. And fawn is goat. Now, if you were to swap all those animal bodies out with a tank and then plop a human top on it. Mandroid. Okay, so that's, I just, I guess I missed that in Greek mythology. Yep. All right. There you go. <laughs> just checking. Yep. Now you guys have a visual. Yeah, so Mandroid's like ready to roll, quite literally. <laughs> oh, oh, Mariah with the zingers. And for some reason, a slew of people come out with guns ready to fight. They are armed and dangerous. So this is supposed to be in Mexico? Mm-hmm. Okay. But the the set is like maybe Roman ruins, kind of. It does look kind of like Roman ruins. And oh, I think it's like, maybe he's creating his temple to look like a Roman palace. Maybe. And also there's like a Ponderosa forest around. Okay. okay. This was actually shot in uh, Madrid, Spain. Really? Yeah, over three months they shot out there because it was real cheap. I want to go to Spain. I want to go to anywhere. <laughs> anywhere ever <laughs> other than our house. Quarantine. Uh, yeah, so he's got this cool mobile unit. There's actually a really awesome scene when he's getting out of the mobile unit where he has removed his legs <laughs> and then he puts them back on. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It looks cool. It looks really good. My favorite part about the mobile unit is that he's kind of like leaning forward in it. Yeah. You know that his butt was clenched so tight to keep yeah. him upright in that really awkward position. But I do agree that when he like snaps on his legs again, it looks pretty darn authentic. Apparently he had a lot of fun in that mobile unit too, from what I read. What? And I saw an interview with the director. And he was saying that they were all really happy with the way the mobile unit turned out. They should that be. That it worked out much better than anybody was expecting on that budget. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Also, I wanted to mention right here, we get a little sense of the score. Not mm-hmm. too bad. It's actually a pretty good score. Looked it up. It was done by a guy named Bob Summers, who doesn't have a whole lot of really memorable credits. He's got a lot, just not a lot that we would think of Mm -hmm. except for one big one a film that i absolutely love from the 80s that we haven't covered yet one dark night he was the composer Ah. for that yeah and also while you were coming up with that information i was thinking that can't be the double dare guy it's mark summers from this is bob summers yep okay yep 
I just for one tiny moment held on hope that it was the double there guy. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, you're a okay. Nick kid, aren't you? I am so very much so. Okay. So Mandroid makes his way uh, to the city in, I presume, California, because that's the most logical, like, straight shot. I guess, yeah. He's now acquired a disguise. No. <laughs> so, first of all, you need to know, Mandroid, half of his head is mechanical, so it's big, because they put a piece over an actual human's head. And then his disguise is a hat. So the hat's just kind of gently sitting a- atop his, you know, Mandroid head. He's dressed, okay, and the rest of his body... Which, in addition to his legs being detached and put back on, that looks really cool. He's also got, like, a cannon arm, like a laser cannon arm. And, like, a metal backpack. And when he takes the arm off, it look, it, that looks pretty good, actually. Yeah. But when he puts on his disguise, he's dressed like a detective, like a gumshoe. Yeah. He's got the fedora and then a trench coat. It totally is... Not only is it completely useless and yes. ridiculous... It reminds me of Raphael's disguise in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's the same disguise. Yes, and it's like, dude, you would attract less attention if you just wore that. Especially in California, who cares? But Yeah, so I did really get a kick out of his disguise. Because he yes. keeps that hat on for an uncomfortably long time. He really does. <laughs> he gets another disguise. But he breaks into this, like state-of-the-art computer lab um, that Takata kind of pointed him towards in his dying moments. And he finds the scientist uh, whom Reeves has stolen information from. Her name is Nora, and she's a blonde babe played by Denise Michelle Crosby. She was in, like, Pet Cemetery, Dolly Dearest, and Star Trek. Yeah, Star Trek, I think, is her claim to fame. Yeah, next generation, calm down, people. Yeah, Nora Hunter, she just conveniently is a scientistic scientist babe. And she's got a buddy with her who is R2-D2. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's like no going around this. Yep, he, but like a teeny tiny version that it's, flies. It just, I mean, they didn't even try and disguise this one. Mm-mm. Although I really liked it. I liked the unit. What's it called? Spot? Spot, yes. Okay, Spot. I, I did like Spot, and the effects were really fun when he flies around. Yeah, they did like some creative problem solving to make that happen, I think, yes. It, it all works in this film, honestly. It's it's a fun film to watch. Yeah. I, it's so goofy, but the effects are all within budget. Yeah, it's fun. Actually, I, I would say it's really successful, all things considered. So together, these two kind of suss out a plan to go to Mexico. We'll spare you the details. Yeah, we do get some cool scenes like she has to fix him up that's the reason why she has to go with him is because she's the one that developed the technology so she can fix him and we see this by like pulling things that look like giant sd cards out of his brain and stuff i mean just all these cool little scenes that they're so corny but they also create the environment that Mm -hmm. he really is a mandroid although i'm gonna say it's kind of a major plot hole that he goes all this way to her only to turn around and be like, never mind, I'm going to go back. <laughs> like, right there. And too. get the person that I knew I wanted to get already. Although he wouldn't have acquired the team of adventurers along the way had he have just turned around. True. And she does shut off the, like... um non-human part of his brain because he's got half machine brain so i guess he's got half just half a brain for the rest of this movie in addition to spot being a total just clone of r2d2 uh-huh this the the creation 
of the story is also kind of a ripoff of Terminator, predates Robocop, interestingly, but it also is the relationship between Nora and the character we're about to meet, this river rat, is also very much a Star Wars rip. It's kind of a yeah. Han Solo, Carrie Fisher, you know, Princess Leia dynamic. I, It's just... I guess if you're going to do it, just do it, right? Yes. So Mandroid and Nora make it to Mexico, and she decides they need a, a river guide. Yeah, well, because they need help. And it's clearly a very dangerous place to be, because within their very first night, they're mugged, or she's being mugged, and Mandroid comes to the rescue. This is where the Terminator reference comes in, because he also gives these cheesy one-liners that are just... They're delightful. They're really great. Here's one right here. Right after he stops the muggers, he says this. Come on, let's go! You're the one who needs body work. (laughs) So, yeah, okay. The next day, they go to... Or, Nora goes to a bar... And she's like, I need the best, strongest, scariest, whatever, uh, river guide. And instantly, just instantly, a full-fledged brawl breaks out. Because apparently at this bar, there are only river guides who really desperately need a fare. Yes. And our other, I don't know, Fantastic Four Avenger character. Yes. Uh, is Harry Fontana. He's played by Andrew Prine. And, I don't know, look him up. He He's done stuff, nothing specifically noteworthy, but you'll recognize him for sure. He's totally just the Han Solo. Even the way they meet him in a yeah. bar, like looking for something. Like looking for a, a guide or a pilot. Right. It's just, come on. And this is where we meet Bayou Betty. So she is our, like... I do like her. She's so great. I would love to watch a movie of just Bayou Betty and her antics. But she's like the like most dead serious about getting her full like she really 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 wants the job she beats this whole brawl but uh harry fontana has like kind of sat it out casually while everybody fights each other and then just in the end comes in and takes out bayou betty because the winner of this brawl gets to be the guide for nora and mandroid okay It's not, it can't be that much money. Yeah. Mandroid, let's stop on him for a second. This is a good spot to stop. Okay. What do you think of Mandroid? Um, of all of the characters in this, you would expect him to be the most dynamic, but I would say Spot is more dynamic than him. Oh, uh, yeah. Spot's spunky for sure. But he is, to be fair, half-brained and half, <laughs> half-robot. He looks cool as far as the, like, components of his character. Mm-hmm. He originally, I read an interview, and he was supposed to be much more involved. He was supposed to be like a go-bot, where he had, he could change into a boat or a plane or whatever. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and then we, then they realized they didn't have the budget for that. Sure. So he gets things like propeller shoes instead. Oh, yeah. One thing about him that makes me laugh is that, and this is strictly on the actor, he constantly looks like he's just smelling a fart. Yeah. He's got this, like, flared nostril look. But, like, he's happy to smell a fart well, I through think, the whole movie. But he has a singular focus. He wants to accomplish his goal. Okay. And so that's why when everything else is going on, he's kind of like, I'm, I'm miming a fart-smelling face. So. Yeah. No, I got it. I got but it it's, from that. But it's accurate. But this, this whole mandroid character uh-huh. and the dynamic character that this actor, you know, invokes... 
brings me to this week's fun fact. Ooh. So Mandroid, as you mentioned, was played by Patrick Reynolds. Patrick Reynolds, yeah, he had a few bit parts. I was looking up interviews and I found a podcast interview with this guy. What? It's like 45 minutes. I was very excited because I thought he was going to dish the dirt on Eliminators. Yeah. Whoo. I mean, Patrick, if you're out there and listening, which I'm sure you are, great job on this. However, it was really, really tough to listen to. It was boring as hell. <laughs> but he uh, told a little bit about his background. And it turns out, in addition to this, then I went and read up on it. And I was like, what? He was a rich kid. I mean, like, totally raised in a very wealthy family. He looks like a rich kid. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he definitely looks like a rich kid. And he is was the grandson of this tobacco tycoon named R.J. Reynolds, who was responsible for, like, Camel and Newport and everything. Like, massive, like, billionaire kind of person. Or multimillionaire, I guess, at that time, we'll say. So he grew up in this environment of being really rich. So he tried out acting and was like, yeah, I could have gone that route. Mm -hmm. But what happened was his father, and I think another family member died of tobacco-related cancer. Mm -hmm. And he, right after this film, this might have even been his last film, uh, quit acting and devoted the rest of his life, I think still to this day, as an activist for (gasps) anti-tobacco. Because he thinks his family is responsible for millions of deaths. And that's where he puts all of his emphasis in. So that is an interesting... Oh my gosh, now I love Mandroid. Very interesting fun fact about our Mandroid. Oh, I wish Mandroid would fight uh, to the big tobacco in Mandroid costume. Imagine if that was Illuminators Part 2, where Mandroid took out the tobacco, like, farms. Oh, that's... (laughs) You know what? You and I have both had our lives uh, impacted by that. How great that he is doing that. I think that's awesome. I kind of want to write it anyway. Oh, yeah. Okay, now I'm a huge fan. I know. I wish he was a more dynamic speaker. However, his story was very interesting. Oh, but uh, (laughs) we can't all be dynamic speakers. Whatever. Okay, where are we? (laughs) Angry Boat Guides. Okay, so the Angry Boat Guides are now in pursuit. No, oh, this goes on for a while. The whole Angry Boat Guide scenario seems to take up at least a third of this movie. (laughs) It's really long. However, it's kind of like an AIP or a David Pryor film where there's a quintessential chase scene that lasts way too long and somehow it works because it's entertaining especially Mm -hmm. when mandroid shoots a torpedo out of his arm who knew he had that yep and it blows up the boat with bayou betty in it (laughs) she's okay though this is also like i was as we were watching it i was like i think this is family friendly i don't even know if they say a bad word no it's a pg film is it yeah oh we should let the girls watch it (laughs) (laughs) I thought that. I I really did think. I bet you they would think this is funny. Yeah, I think they would too. All right. So there's so many people in pursuit now because all of a sudden we have, they have evaded Bayou Bayou Betty and then two thugs. And this is kind of weird to me. Two of Reeves' thugs approach. Mm -hmm. Reeves had at his compound, like, I don't know, 40 dudes with guns. Yes. And they sent two hillbillies 
Yes. Well, one is like just a normal person and one's like a full, <laughs> full hillbilly. He's got the accent. He's got, I actually am possibly imagining the accent. I don't know, but he's a full buck. Let's go. You're creating. You're he creating. talks like this. Yeah. Okay. It's an extra know. in Hunter's blood. <laughs> All right. So then it's the two thugs versus... Fontana. I mean, it's just it goes on this, and on. Yeah, the, it's like a lot of river fighting. It's their efforts to get up the river, and they ultimately find the remains of Mandroid's plane. The plane that he crashed before he was Mandroid. And the only reason to find this is so that our sexy scientist can go into the water. Mm-hmm. With a white shirt and no bra. This is our only non-PG scene, is it turns into a wet t-shirt contest. Well, I think she posed in Playboy, so they had to do a little oh, tip of the okay, hat to that. Oh, that's why, yeah. Mm-hmm. She had to kind of fulfill that end of the contract. The other only memorable scene from the river, uh, the, the drama of the river. Yes. I did not catch why this happened, <laughs> Mandroid, who already is not bright to begin with. He's not a good problem solver. <laughs> he He's got half a brain. He just falls off the back of the boat. Why? I, okay, I was taking notes. I look up and he's in the river. I don't know. Don't ask me. Why did he fall off the boat? Here's the thing. Everybody <laughs> falls off the boat at some point. Okay. This whole scene is so long. They fall off the boat. They break off in separate pairs. They're cha- being chased by different groups. It doesn't matter. I just... Oh, man. I could stop laughing yeah. when I realized he was no longer on the boat because he just fell off of it. And you instantly are like, he's pure metal. He just sunk right to the bottom. <laughs> Which he did. Yes, he did. Also, there's a lot of talk about piranhas at one point. Is there? Yes. And there are no piranhas in Mexico unless somebody put them in the river, but whatever. <laughs> okay. Also, at, they mentioned that this is Mexico. I don't see any Mexicans in this movie. Yeah. Maybe like one or two. Well, no. One of the guys who's in pursuit with the hillbilly uses a fake Italian accent. But I think he's Hispanic, at least. But I think he thinks that it's a Mexican accent. Oh, my goodness. It's very... It's very complicated. What's everybody. happening? I don't know if I'm offended. <laughs> okay, well, it's only going to get worse because the evil doctor, we find out, has special powers, too. He's got a lightning arm that we discover because Ugh. the goons come back. Yep. And he punishes them by, he's got a, a sh- like electric shock arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he shoots one of the goons in the balls with, with a bolt of electricity. Yep. That was actually a pretty cool scene. Pretty effective. It was very effective. <laughs> and uh, if that wasn't enough, so it just, it's it's getting crazier and crazier. This is where we meet some extras of the movie where both of us had to stop again and pause and go, are these Neanderthals running around in Mexico? Yep. The answer is yes. Yep. They uh, are. So... So Mandroid, bottom of the water, we'll get back to him. Don't worry. He's going to be okay for now. But Fontana and I guess it's Dr. Nora. I don't really know. I presume she has a PhD. They are now walking near the river, not on the river. This is an important difference because sometimes they're on the river, sometimes they're not. Yeah. Now they're not. They are captured by Neanderthals. What? So I thought about this after we finished the film. Mm-hmm. Did the evil doctor time travel and bring them back to be his like minions? No, I think he just brought them back by accident and just was like, here's Mexico. Bye. 
Okay, well, they capture Nora and Fontana. Mm-hmm. So half our group has been displaced. Mm-hmm. Mandroid comes out of the river oh, with a spot. spot. Yeah. We need to say that Spot, Spot, remember the tiny zippy robot, now... <laughs> Oh, yeah, he, rides on, he rides on Mandroid's shoulder like a parrot. <laughs> <laughs> he, keeps, he keeps zipping around and then resting on his shoulder <laughs> like an R2-D2 parrot. It is oh, amazing and I love so it. so wonderful. I wish a robot would land on my shoulder. Well, if you remembered, it's a Fantastic Four. Spot doesn't get one of those four slots. No. So we've got... Uh, the mercenary river rat. We've got the sexy scientist. We've got Mandroid. Who was the fourth one that we're missing? Kuji. Kuji, the ninja who is just wandering Mexico for some reason. Mm-hmm. He comes out of nowhere and he joins teams with, or he joins forces with with Mandroid. Yes, and <laughs> Kuji is actually played by an actor named Kanara Lee. This is a stage name. He was born with a really normal name uh, in, I think, Hong Kong or Shanghai. But he, I think, changed it to kind of play up his uh, chances in Hollywood. Well, it worked out. Uh-huh. And he is actually in The Mummy and Pacific Rim. Okay. And some other stuff that you would have you would have seen. So, so. he's an actor. You actually, <laughs> I, I would say he's probably more recognizable. But most importantly, he's from... Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> of course he was. Came out the same year. Well, I mean, if you're if you're in any way uh, of Asian descent in Hollywood, they're going to just use you over and over again in their stereotypes in the 80s. So Yeah, you were either in Big Trouble in Little China at this time or in a random Canon Films uh, movie yep. because... They had plenty of ninja movies happening at this Ugh, time. And this in no way is good. But he, he does his job well. Okay, so Kuji comes in. He is the son of Tokata. So <laughs> yeah. he and Mandroid sort of commiserate. And Mandroid's like, sorry, bud, but your dad's dead. And we've got a common cause. This is a revenge film and you're now invited. Yep. And here is my robot parrot buddy spot. <laughs> Let's go. Yes. So they're going to go rescue them, which they do. They go Rescue and... Fontana and Nora. So now we've the Fantastic Four is complete for the first time, and their escape, this is the dumbest thing ever. they they got to get back on the river. There's not a boat, though. There is literally just a raft. A like, Neanderthal raft. They get on it, and they're going to go at a snail's pace, except we find out that Mandroid has <laughs> another cool trick. His boots... They're like slick shoes from Goonies, <laughs> but instead the heels have little propellers. Both of us got so excited when yeah, this scene happened. because then they speed off. They're he like, turned it into a motorboat. <laughs> it's a little motorboat on this Neanderthal raft. <laughs> and they go away. Oh, man, it is so funny. Well, but they can't be on the river too long. Soon enough... The boots short circuit. They don't slow down. They hit the beach. They all launch into the sand. But what happens is that they're basically working their way back to the scientist to come invade him. And Mandroid gets super excited because guess what he finds? They know that they're getting close. Yes, because they've been trying to kind of follow his trail back. I don't know what the river had to do with anything. But they do find the mobile unit that he says he hid, but it was just sitting there in the open. 
he is so excited he immediately jumps in it to cruise around why wouldn't you and they're like okay we should probably rest up spot do some recon and spot zips off to head to reeves's headquarters and do recon yep the mobile unit lasts zero seconds because he falls over in it that's pretty funny but they have a little kind of camp that they set up right before the big final battle Mm mm-hmm and Nora's kind of laying there mm-hmm. and Mandroid comes up and they're trying to have this heart to heart. And he just says, you know what? We're about to go up against the big boss. You need to just dismantle me afterwards because I have no purpose after this. this- I have half of a human brain. And she's like, no, 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 you're human. And he lays he lays the truth down on her thick by saying this. I'm not a man. I'm a killing machine with no past. And no future. It's actually a pretty good line. It's sad, but he knows his purpose in this. Yeah, and he can't exactly go back to his wife and child as a killing machine. So. Nope. So this is it. It's this just is, responsible. Yes. This is the big battle. They're going to invade the compound, and boy, howdy, do they, except they are in for a surprise with Reeves. We're all in for a surprise with Reeves because... We find out that he likes to cosplay as a Roman gladiator. Yeah, why? What? I don't get this. What's the allure of ancient Rome? Is he going to go back in time and, like, rule the Roman Empire? Yes. That is... Okay. That's really his plan, right? The whole plot is he has stolen (laughs) Nora's science. Like, just in general, he took her science. (laughs) Yep. He made a time travel machine and a mandroid. He sent mandroid back to sample the goods, make sure it was safe. He also has been simultaneously making a special suit for himself, which we see early in the film because he was gassing it up. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. I don't know what that was all about. So he's, he's also been turning himself into something of a mandroid. Keep in mind, this is the beauty of writing. And this is why I love this film already. Mm-hmm. I love when writers are all in. Why can't somebody time travel and use a mandroid to steal the weapons of the Roman Empire? I see no problem. So that they can go back in time and rule. Yeah, he, he wants to go just, back. Yeah, so that he can be with his science and all of his knowledge, be like the supreme ruler of ancient Rome. And <laughs> I think maybe kind of time hop through time, changing the past to make himself all powerful continuously. That's the plan, but it doesn't work out because there's a big battle. Sadly, in the battle, the final battle, Mandroid dies. Aww. Reeves is like, to hell with all you. I'm going to whatever, Roman times to go be my, to rule. Yeah, and the, they're afraid of this because he could change the past, thus changing the present. Right, but he doesn't get to because... <laughs> Somebody flips a switch last minute. No! Harry Fontana punches the, like, board. Oh, is that what it he is? He rage punches the computer, like, oh. all of the buttons. Oh, I thought he pulled the switch. No, he angrily just sort of punches. He's, Harry Fontana is not a, like, oh, there's the off switch kind of guy. He's like, Ugh, and he throws a little temper tantrum and punches. Well, it works because instead of going to ancient Rome, mm-hmm. Reeves, our mad scientist, Gets transported into where? 435 million years ago. B.C. B.C. (laughs) And then they all just laugh. 
You're the king of nothing. That is seriously how the film ends. (laughs) It's just over. It's him being like, oh. Oh, it is good, yeah. In the middle of like dead earth and geysers. Oh, it is so much fun. (laughs) I took, I just, I was on board from the moment this started. Heck yeah. This is a really, really fun film. This was released on January 31st, 1986. It I don't. I couldn't get a budget. I think it was like a million, maybe max. I oh. mean, it was an Empire film. I can't so. imagine it was a high budget. Yeah, but it did get a theatrical release, <laughs> and it made four point six million. So it did. I would have loved to see it in the theater. I would have loved to have seen it in the yeah. theater too. It did just fine. It came out on VHS. That's what we watched it on. We've got our VHS copy through Playhouse Video. Playhouse, for those of you who are VHS collectors who might not know this, it was the children's division of CBS Fox Video. So that was kind of what they did, which makes sense because this really is a PG film. Yeah. I don't know if they intended it to be, but it definitely came out very family friendly. Which is a a big thing for the 80s. Very often... uh... They're not appropriate, even when they say PG. I mean, I always, I think 70s is Logan's run, but I always think that uh, when I think of rating pre like 90s, oh, yeah. I, I think of how Logan's run has a PG rating and I'm like, well. <laughs> yeah, or Beetlejuice with the F-bomb. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah so this this is a, a family friendly movie, though. I'd say the the white t-shirt contest scene is the really the only scene that would even be questionable but i don't think kids would even notice that so yeah you really could watch this with the kids if you want if you're I, looking for something to watch on a saturday morning pop in eliminators <laughs> but it came out on vhs did really well 2013 it finally got a dvd release oh. but only in a box set of other films mm-hmm. by shout factory but then shout factory re-released it in 2015 on blu-ray as a double feature with Dungeon Master. Oh, okay. And then another company, I don't even know this company, but they released it again on Blu-ray, a new one, in 2017. So it's out there. You can definitely see it now. Get after it. I, What's stopping you? Yeah, I don't know. What Final thoughts on uh, Eliminators. I enjoyed it immensely. It was funny. It was fast-paced. It was over-the-top stupid. I love when I'm watching a movie and they just lean in hard to all of the Mm -hmm. total nonsense when he ends up in 435 million bc yeah i was just like yes there's i feel like this movie sprinkles the introductions of ridiculousness perfectly like it's timed out so just when you think you're starting to know the story he takes his legs off just when you think you're starting to know the story a R2-D2 unit lands on his shoulder like a parrot. <laughs> Just when you think you know the story, you meet a ninja or Neanderthals or a Roman gladiator. Like, it's just so much fun. Oh, and we didn't even talk about how Kuji jumps through a giant fan blade. Oh, I totally forgot about that. So good. Yeah, there's a fan blade, like a air unit to keep like the... The air, fresh air going in a pipe. Like the kind that'll slice you in half unless you're a ninja. It's going so fast, like ridiculously fast. And somehow he's waiting, times it out, jumps through, and it's in slow motion as though he has stopped time with his ninja powers. That's how it works. To jump through the moving fan and lands on the other side. And it is really incredible. And then he punches the fan. It's great. (laughs) This film is so much fun. It is it just watch it for Bayou Betty alone. Yeah, I just I strongly recommend this one. Come for the Mandroid, stay for the Bayou Betty. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs>
Okay, well, I'm really happy we did this. You like it? You approve? Oh, yeah, 100 billion percent approve. Wow, this was very high percent. This was really, this was like right up the laser graves alley oh and exactly what we needed this is the ben election week it's been really tense so watching something stupid that you didn't really have to think about but could just simply enjoy was a great relief yeah this is absolutely we didn't have to with this was just a fun one yeah so that's what we got this week and thanks to all of our patrons on patreon we've gotten some new friends there the party's just getting started so yeah if you have not done it you're thinking about it please do it. It's really dirt cheap and we're doing really fun stuff on there. If not, you can still follow us on Instagram. Uh, you can also just check out any of our back episodes. They're all free. Anywhere you get your podcasts, where you know, Apple and Amazon and Podbean, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we are also at lasergraves.com where you can find all our back episodes. Mm-hmm. If you want to follow us on Instagram, in our personal sites, I'm at death at 33 RPM. I'm at Mariah Rose Wimmer. And as always, go follow our friends. We post their on our stories, their episodes through the week. We're all having a good time, having a party. And we don't know what we're doing again next week, but we will see you then. It'll be fun. It'll be from the 80s. We guarantee it. Yes. Okay. Bye. Thanks. Thanks.